0: All right, so we are in the midst of a series on the Ten Commandments. And today we're going to be looking at the fourth commandment. But before we get into that, that's Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Before we get into that, what I want to do is just bring you up to speed, if if you're new with us, so that you can kind of know where we are. And so a speed round of what we've covered so far are the first three commandments. All right, so the fourth, just kidding. The first commandment is this, that there are no other gods before him. He doesn't want anything else being called God or worshiped as God or acknowledged as God for the same reason that I don't want my son going to the garden and calling a rock daddy. Because that rock is unable to father my son the way that I will be able to father my son. No other God, no other power, no other force, no other uh, entity will be able to provide for and care for and protect and, and nurture and grow and inspire and transform us like Yahweh, like God himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The second commandment is not to make any idols idols. The real key behind that we covered is that it starts by them serving you and serving a purpose for you. But what happens is it's always inverted and we end up serving the idol. We have such a propensity towards serving idols that I, make, I have made an idol out of not making idols. Right? And you'll do the same. You figure out that idols are wrong. You figure out, okay, I'm only supposed to worship Jesus. I'm not supposed to worship something else. Now we can make an idol out of a musician. We can make an idol out of music. We can make an idol out of our job. We can make it out of success. We can make it out of intellectual ability. We can make we can make a, an idol out of pretty much anything. But an idol is anything that we find ourselves serving as our primary motivation of service. And so uh, I have I, I read a book on, on idols, and I was like, man, idols are wicked. So I made it a point to make. Make sure that I found all the idols in my life. And when I found all the idols in my life, there was one last glaring idol. And that's what I just told on myself about is that I made an idol out of not making idols. You you with me? You see how that can happen? Uh, If you don't, whatever. We'll just keep going. It was a good sermon. Um, And then uh, the the third command, that we should not take the Lord's name in vain. We talked about how it means a lot more than just not, it means a lot more than not saying daggummit or dagnabbit instead of dropping the Lord's name as an expletive. We talked about how really it means not to lift up his name falsely or to empty his name of its power and effectiveness. We talked about how there's a lot more that can be done than should not be done. Right, So not taking the Lord's name in vain, there's a lot more area. There's a lot more green field than there is prohibited area, especially in that command, but really in in all of these commands. But we can enjoy a sunset. We can enjoy a walk. We can enjoy good food. We can enjoy one another. We can enjoy movies. We can enjoy swimming. We can enjoy heat. We can enjoy cold. We can enjoy not liking either of them. Right, But, but there's, there's some area where, where we shouldn't go, and that's to take his name in vain and to empty him of his power and to, de, de, to demean him or degrade him beyond the, the, the place of reverence and respect and honor that he deserves, that he's worthy of. And so today, we jump into the fourth commandment. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, says this. Remember the Sabbath day, and made it holy. These are God's words to us. Father, help us today to draw closer to you. Open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to understand what you're saying to us today. Lead us in righteousness. In Jesus' name. Amen. So a quick a few quick observations. It starts off with this word remember. The Greek word for this means remember. (laughs) We don't need to make it harder than it is. We tend to forget things that are less important or that we think are less important because what's urgent drowns out what's important. And so I find it really interesting that he, he leads off with remember. It's almost nested in that a little bit of a warning that, hey, when things get busy, I know you're, gonna, you're it's going to be so easy to forget this one. Remember. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember. Uh, this isn't the first reference to a day off or to the Sabbath, but, it's the, but it was never instituted before. For in six days, God made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it, and rested on the seventh day. When God gave the Israelites manna in the wilderness... He said, collect it, but on the sixth day, collect twice as much because it's not coming tomorrow, but that's the only time you can do that. And so he, he, he had people rest, in a sense, on that seventh day. This command includes not, this includes not even allowing the cattle and the servants to work. It's fascinating, isn't it, that the first two, it's like, you should not do this, you should not do this. And this next one, it's like you and anything else that you influence that's within your realm of responsibility should do this. And you need to all remember the Sabbath and keep it holy because you're in control of your cattle. And God's going to use this to expose your restlessness. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But everything underneath your control needs to make sure that it rests on the Sabbath. And lastly, that God has made this day holy. Holy means set apart, consecrated for a purpose. um, In school, uh, I wasn't the best at listening or paying attention. And the teacher would often say, why aren't you taking notes? I'm not writing this for my own good. Anybody else had a teacher telling that? I am not doing this for my own good. And it's like, well, it's not for my good either. So I don't know what's happening here. No, shouldn't, that shouldn't have come out. <laughs> the middle schoolers and high schoolers are gone. That was repent I'll repent. You need to repent. I'm not writing it for my own good. God's saying, I'm, I'm not doing this for my own good. He didn't need rest. Certainly he wasn't tired. I've consecrated it. I've done this on purpose. I set it aside and I've made it holy. Don't miss this. I'm not just telling you to do it because I feel like telling you to do it. We're going, to get, we're going to get to a command that even has a promise attached to it. He's saying, you know, I don't want you to worship this God because nothing else will provide for you. I don't want you to make false idols because you're going to end up serving it. And, and it, all that is, is, a, is, a, is a bad check. Don't use my name wrongly because it needs to have power for your life. And you need this power for your life to be changed and transformed unto my likeness. To be changed and transformed from death to life, from shame to acceptance. Right? And so he's like, and I've set this day aside, and I've made it holy. Don't downgrade it. You know, I'm I'm amused. Um, I'm amused at how how much we buck against the commands. Like even this, especially this one. Like we want to get mad about all the rules, right? Even you know, if you're not walking with Jesus yet, if you're not a believer, and you're here, and you're just kind of listening and you're paying attention. Uh, you, We're the same way. If you believe in Jesus, we're like, man, I got to do this now. You know, but like we get to, we all bent out of shape. He's telling us to rest. Can we just take a breath and realize that these commands are for our good? That these commands aren't burdensome? He's telling us to rest, take a break. I got it. I got you covered. The boss has basically said, take a day off. Whatever comes up, I'll handle it. God's saying, let me handle it. And we're like, no, I'd rather handle it. I'd rather take care of this, God, because I'm not sure that I can trust you to really do this the right way. You know, it's kind of a complicated situation. You know, there are invoices, bills need to be paid, there's this, you know. And you know, if you knew my wife, somebody else might think, I've never thought that. She, she's probably thought, if you knew my husband. You with, you with me? You feel it? Right, God's telling us to rest and we're bucking against it. No, God, you know. I was listening to this comedian uh, recently and I don't remember who it was, but he's like, he's like, I don't get kids, I don't like them. He's like, you know, they get tired and they start screaming. Right. It's like, just go to sleep. <laughs> There's nothing that you need to be doing. Go to sleep. Like, all the adults are doing all the work. You could go to sleep and nobody would miss you. <laughs> go to sleep. Right? But the kid instead screams and cries and yells, I'm not tired. I'm not taking a nap. And how much are we like that yeah. to God's command to, to rest? And we're like, no. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I remember one time I walked in. One of my kids had taken, literally, took the sheets off the bed and had thrown them all out, standing there in the crib like all defiant. It's like you don't have any idea how much this is for you, you cranky little person. <laughs> you just, we're excited about babies here. <laughs> children are, children are a blessing. But part of the blessing is that they'll expose a whole lot that's in you. You know, they'll shake you real hard and let you know what's going on inside of you. Like you didn't, I didn't know I had an anger problem. I didn't. Because I basically had the privilege of leaving everybody I was angry at before it showed. Right? Single people and not yet parents. I'm just warning you. Just putting one across your bow. Just that, you know... Just, I'm saying, they're a blessing. You <laughs> know, it's not stated, but is evident in all of this, is that work's not bad. And I think some of us just need to hear that today. Even though it's not stated in here, it's, 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 it's that there are six days of work and hard work. Some of us, like, really look forward to talking about the Sabbath because we feel like we should have more than one. But we ought not have an aversion to work, not even to hard work. God put Adam to work right away. He's like, hey, Adam, great to see you. Everything looks good. Get cracking. That's a summary of the first couple of chapters of Genesis. God is not telling us to rest without the knowledge of what's going on in our life or what our situation is, either. This command is not less important in times of difficulty or stress. This command is not less important in times of hardship. It's not less important in times where there's not a lot to do. It's importance stays the same all the time, which is why we have to remember it. I say it's not without the knowledge that things are hard or confusing or difficult because even before God told them to rest, he had already told them to rest. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt and Pharaoh's army starts chasing them down. And the the, the, the Israelites were pinned down between the river and Pharaoh's army. And they were just sitting ducks. I don't don't know why you're not supposed to shoot a sitting duck sorry just realizing something so they were sitting down so they're, they're pinned down in between this barrier that can't be moved and this army that's going to destroy them and in, in verse 10 it says when pharaoh drew near the people of israel lifted up their eyes and behold they were the, uh, the the egyptians were marching after them and they feared greatly and the people of israel cried out to the lord they said to moses is this why you brought us out into the wilderness you set us free to kill us out here in the wilderness like there weren't enough graves in egypt that doesn't even make sense But they're saying, so you didn't want to bury us in Egypt for whatever reason because you're a sick God. You brought us out here into the wilderness so they could bury us, dispatch of us, and never have anything to do with us ever again. God, you're evil. He said, what have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? He said, "It would." and then they said, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die out here. And then Moses said, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord where he will work for you today. The Egyptians, whom you see today, you will never see again. Then he says this, the Lord will fight for you. You only have to be silent. Rest. And let me dispatch of it. Rest, be still, be quiet. You can't do anything about the river. You can't do anything about Pharaoh's army. But I can deliver you and destroy the other in one move. And the river parts, the Red Sea parts, and they pass through. And it collapses on Pharaoh's army, and their their enemy is completely destroyed. But they had to be silent, they had to rest. Sometimes the solution, when we're facing something impossible, is to be silent and to rest. Now, that's not specifically dealing with the Sabbath. But I, but I felt like it, it, it was important to acknowledge that it's not just in the easy times that he's calling us to rest. He's going to he's gonna call you to rest even in difficult and complex and, and trying times. So a few, few important things happen when we rest. None more important than the fact that God is glorified. because of the change that occurs in you and a couple other reasons that I'm going to mention in just a moment but it also creates this interesting dynamic in the world where it's who are these people who are who are resting in the midst of this chaos what is going on with these people that aren't panicked by the stock market who are these people who are at peace with this acquisition of our company Who are these people at rest when they aren't the ones who got the promotion or they're the ones whose department might be the one that goes? Who are these people who are at rest? Who are these peculiar people? Psalm 23, David understood this. He said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. I like that he makes me lie down in green pastures. He, what it means, it really is saying he, he has us to lie down, but I like the, the forceful sound of it because sometimes I feel like God is forcefully setting me down. He restores my soul in that field. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I, haven't even, I have not never seen anybody call a timeout in the middle of a fight and sit down and have a meal. And God's like, I want you to rest and I'm so serious about this rest. I will prepare a table for you in the midst of your enemies. While everybody else is sharpening their ax, polishing their bows and doing whatever they need to do, God's saying, I'm gonna prepare you a table. I have provision for you right now. I have strength for you right now. I have perspective for you right now. I've got hope for you right now. Sit down at my table. It's like, God, shouldn't I be sharpening my axe? Shouldn't I be loading my weapons? Shouldn't I be preparing the tents? Shouldn't I be preparing for this battle? And he's like, sit down and eat with me. We're refreshed and strengthened. We don't have to look past what our bodies do in the natural when we rest and sleep. They're restored. The scientists actually don't understand yet why we sleep. They understand some really important things happen while we sleep, but they don't know why sleep. It's really kind of a funny question. I I thought it was a joke at first, but I started reading all over the place. spent more time than I should have, JC, just reading about sleep and how we don't understand what it is. There were some really interesting theories out there, though. One of the theories is that sleep developed as a... uh, as an evolutionary thing that would hide us from our enemies. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. I, I, I don't buy that one because evolution also, evolution, quote, also produced a really good sense of smell for some other creatures, the kind of creatures that eat things that are sleeping in the middle of the night. You with me? It's just kind of like evolution did a pretty bad job if that's what's supposed to be happening. So you're going to make me completely defenseless in the middle of everybody? Is that that's a, I don't see how that's a good plan, right? I do believe in God's creation. I do believe what the Bible says. I, I do believe that God created us. I don't believe in evolution. Now, I, I honestly, it just as I know we're not talking about evolution, I'm going to I'm going to talk about it because I'm just going to talk about it. But uh, but I, I life is too fragile. That's my entire apologetic. Life is too fragile. It's too fragile, and it all had to develop at the same time too quickly. Now, now, the, I'm really, we can edit podcasts, right, Team Awesome? I'm just kidding. But we'll edit it. Um, you know, the real miracle, if you want to get a hitch in your giddy-up, is not dinosaurs and everything, uh, like, from creation, those first six days of creation. If you've got a problem with that, you'd have a real problem with what happened after the flood. Most of us just don't think about that, that everything got wiped out and it restarted. So creation or not, I mean, at some level, sure, whatever, but like the almost uh, an equally great miracle is what happened after the flood. And I see no choice but to give honor and glory to God. (laughs) I see no option to give honor and glory to God because Jesus, who died and rose from the dead, according to the scriptures, leaned on these scriptures And if it's good enough for Jesus to lean on, it's going to be good enough for me to lean on. Right? I lost you with the evolution thing. That's cool. We're not talking about that anyway. We're talking about the Sabbath. Our faith is refined when we rest. Our faith is refined because our motives get uncovered when we rest. You know... Uh, Blaise pascal he was a mathematician philosopher in the 1500s he said most of man's problems stem from not being able to sit in a room by himself quietly that was 15th century there was like nothing happening in the 15th century <laughs> their version of a tablet was a stone tablet <laughs> there was no distraction there were no pokey they had rocks Right? That, that was a pokeball. It was like poke ball. Was no poke ball There was no pokeball. There was no game. Like, you know, they played with sticks and rocks and stuff. And I, I know they were smart. They weren't like cavemen in the 1500s. They weren't cavemen when the Bible was written. And that's a mistake we make too. Side note again. You know the people who wrote the Bible weren't less intelligent than you and I, right? Amen. You know that even, the, like, even scientifically, we built on what they started for us, but we don't even know how they made concrete. Their concrete is better than our concrete. But when the library of Alexandria was burned down, we lost the recipe. So with all our technology, with all this other stuff in the world, we can't even come close to what they were already producing. They're not less smart than us. So if you think like 0 BC, though they believed in Jesus because they were less intelligent. No, not the case at all. We look to their philosophers. We look to their mathematicians. We look to their theologians to understand today, and that's not just Christians. And so we, we make that mistake if we look at Abraham. We look we make that mistake if we if we look at Moses. Well, they just believe that the Red Sea parted because they're not smart. They could, they saw the Red Sea part. They saw it close, and they recorded it for us. Okay, so our faith is refined. It exposes us, doesn't it? When you have to sit quietly in a room, we're really not okay with that. And you don't realize you're not okay with it because you got your phone with you all the time. You know you're not okay with it when you're at the doctor's office and your phone dies. And it's just so uncomfortable and you're like, oh, what do I do? How do I act? Where am I? <laughs> you, ever, you ever done that? Like, you look up and you're like, I don't know how to act here without my technology. But it exposes, it exposes all this. This stillness. It exposes us. It lets us know what we're building for. And so this is the next thing. This is really exciting. This, this, this rest and stillness, it repositions us. Because when we get past the uncomfortable exposure of not being busy and not being kind of held together by our own action and being held together by our own effort and our own priorities, what happens is you see everything that God has done and God is doing and it allows you the opportunity to step into what he's doing instead of what you were doing. And there could be a difference between what you want to do and what God wants to do. And so, but when we get still, those kinds of things are exposed in us. I know it's hard. I know it's hard to hit the pause button. I know Mondays are are hard for me. Mondays are my day off. I've got so much internal momentum. It is a discipline to remember the Sabbath. But he's not saying just stop and don't do anything. He's saying stop and remember me. Stop and remember what I'm up to. Stop and look and see. Stop and receive from me. Stop and hear from me. Stop so you can get get back on track so you don't go too far in the wrong direction. You know, if if you're a little bit off right here, Right, And you go, and you don't see it right away, but after a period of time, you realize you're way off track. So the Sabbath allows us to do this. This rest allows us to do it. Now, here's here's the last thing, and this is is just something that I think is, is so amazing. When man was created by God, on the sixth day, this is what he got to hear. This is the first thing he got to hear. It's very good. And then his next day was spent in the rest of God. His very first day was God's day of rest. Man was created and birthed into God's rest. So he could look at and see and observe everything that God had called good. So he could come up to speed with what God was doing and what God had created and what God was doing. They had who knows what conversation on that day. God, uh, this is pretty awesome stuff. What's that? Well, that's a moose, but you're going to name it. <laughs> that's actually your job. God, this is, feels really good. What's that? That's water. What's that? It's the sun. I made it to remind you of me. There's a lot more other suns out there, and you're going to be looking at those for centuries, and you're not going to understand it. I wonder if god told adam too, like hey and for a while they're gonna think that the sun revolves around the earth but they're wrong they'll get it right eventually and we'll understand you know what will god talk to you about when you stop what kind of things what kind of conversations will god have with you when you stop what things will he give you perspective for if you rest So all of this, this relationship, this resting, this work, this mission that God had given him, this this relationship was marred by sin. And and man's like, hey, God, I see what you're doing. I heard what you're saying, but I'd rather do it my way. I know I could eat all of these other trees. I know I could eat the fruit from everything else, but I really want this one because I want to know what you know. I want to be like you. It's like, I don't do it. So we eat of the fruit. We eat of the one that he tells us not to. Man, sin separates him from God. And, and, so, and so it goes. And man strays from God and, and we, we grow in wickedness and we start destroying one another. We start hating one another and killing one another. Violence and wickedness and perversion kind of grows across the earth. Then Noah happens. Then we start over and, and we're going and it starts happening again. And God's like, I've chosen this group of people. You're going to be peculiar to me. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. How's that sound? And they're like, yes. And he's like, okay, if you're going to be my people, if I'm going to be your God, I command you to rest enter into the rest I wanted to give you at the very beginning. But we hate that command. (laughs) No, God, I want to do it my way. And this this period continued for about 1,400 years. Of God, I, I hate your command. What the commands do really is they expose to us how much we're unable to be obedient and how much we don't really want to be obedient. And then Jesus comes on the scene. He says, I'm going to offer you the same thing again. In Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. He says, um, verse 28 through 30, he says, come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest. For your soul for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and jesus comes on the scene to restore the thing that god intended for us to have in the first place that a command was unable to produce for us it could let us know what god's heart was for us it let us know what he intended for us it let us know what he wanted for us but it was unable to produce the life that we so desperately needed because the law just exposes our sinfulness And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, I see you laboring. I see you trying. I see you striving. I see you working. I see you tired. I see you beat down. Come to me and I'll give you rest that you need so desperately. And that's our invitation today. And a relationship with Jesus to be restored to the thing that he's intended for us to have all along. And that is life Rest, restoration, hope, joy, satisfaction, fulfillment in him and in him alone, above and beyond any work that you can produce, above and beyond anything that you could do, anything of the work of your hands that you can create, he wants to give us something far and above greater. If only we would yield, if only we would rest, if only we would surrender, if only we would repent. Repent just means to turn into a 180, to go from what you're chasing to turn to him and to pursue him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your your love for us that was demonstrated throughout all the ages and generations. You have persisted in trying to bring us to a place of rest. You've persisted in drawing us close to you because you want the best for us. God, I ask that today you would give us the courage to surrender our hearts, surrender our will, surrender our mind, our emotions, surrender our life to you and enter into your rest.